She Did It Her Way podcast, episode 147, how to create a lifestyle change with your product with the Lola founders. Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, a collective of interviews with top female entrepreneurs from around the globe who have done it their way. These women are disruptors, savvy, courageous, confident, innovative, decisive, unconventional, and humble. Our ladies have proven business models, have taken risks, and have failed only for success to follow. Join us as they share their stories, behaviors, habits, mindset, thought processes, and what it is like to be a woman who means business. And now, here's your host, Amanda Bolin. Hello, She Did It Her Way listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the She Did It Her Way podcast. I'm super, super stoked about today's guest. But before we get into that, let me talk to you guys about something that I've been listening to on repeat. And um, I love self-help stuff. I am obsessed with it. I've been reading it since I was a teenager. I love knowing about myself. But truth be told, the past few years, I've gotten away from it and I've lost my footing for whatever reason and I just don't feel like I've been myself. And this past week, I started getting back into listening to really motivational, inspirational podcasts, one of them being Tony Robbins and oh my goodness, that I listened to, I started listening to Tony Robbins and his He actually, one of his podcasts inspired me to write the blog post yesterday about how hungry are you? And he talks about daily inspiration because it's like taking a bath or showering. You don't just do it one day and expect to last it a week or an entire month. We have to get motivation and inspiration on the daily in order to stay engaged and to be hungry. So one podcast that I highly recommend that he has is Three Steps to a Breakthrough. Listen to that and you will just want to take on the world. I promise you that. Okay. Next thing is on April 25th, I am hosting a live webinar for people who want to learn how to podcast. I'm keeping it to 10 people because what I've learned is that with 10 people, um, you guys can get your questions answered if you have any follow-up. Also, there's going to be a Facebook group. So in the time that we spend together, I'm going to talk to you about how to launch a podcast for less than $25, the exact process I use, how to organize yourself as a host, how to prepare for your initial launch, ways that you can monetize, and things that I would have personally done differently Also, bonus with the fast action guide that takes you the exact steps to launch your podcast in 30 days, an FAQ, and then behind the scenes. So you get to see me produce an episode that will be recorded, and then you actually get that file as as well. Okay, now on to today's episode. We have the co-founders of Lola, which Lola is a feminine care product company, but they are revolutionizing the way in which women and our lifestyle and the conversation around our period. So they offer simple, simpler products, which have no toxin dyes or synthetic stuff, just organic cotton for their tampons, modern convenience. So it's delivered straight to your door and you don't have to go out and get them. The packaging and the branding is amazing, by the way, guys. And there's no BS. It's made by women for women. And Lola, I can tell you, I have now used them since interviewing them for this podcast episode. And the product is 
amazing. And like I said, the branding, everything, it's super easy. And you guys know how much I love simple, like keeping things simple, putting things on auto shipment. So you can decide if you want to get a package every month or you want it every two months. You can also choose the combination of like super light to super heavy within your box that you get, which is awesome from the customizable standpoint. And they are also giving you guys um, 60% off your first time trying Lola as just a special treat that for them coming on the show. And I asked them if there's anything they wanted to offer to the audience. And so they're giving 60% off your first order. So if you use her way in the checkout, when you go to the website, which this is all in the show notes, you get 60% off, which is pretty awesome and pretty amazing. So make sure you do that. Um, but in this episode, we talk primarily a lot about how to create a lifestyle change with your product and talking about the ups and downs that they have experienced, know how to build a business out of pure curiosity and learn to create a product and market based off a neglected topic or a taboo to- topic such as like feminine care and tampons and periods and figure out how to turn a product into a lifestyle. So make sure you guys stay tuned. Coming up next with the Lola founders. Okay. Hi, She Did Her Way listeners. We are sitting down with Alex and Jordana from, they're the two co-founders of Lola, which I'm just going to turn it over to them and have them share what is Lola. And then we'll talk about their journey and how they started their business. Welcome to the show, you guys. Thank you for having us. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Okay. So tell us your company and then we'll talk to, um, we'll figure out and talk about how you guys started it. That's pretty amazing. Sure. Um, So Lola is a feminine care brand. We have 100% organic cotton tampons, pads, and liners um, via subscription service that you can customize and get delivered to your door every month or every other month. And the impetus for starting the brand was that we didn't realize that we didn't know what was in our tampons. So, you know, like most women in their 20s and 30s, we had been using these products every month for decades. Um, And it had never really occurred to us to look at the side of the box and, you know, check out the ingredients and understand what we were putting in our bodies. Um, And the interesting thing here is that that's so different from how we behave in every other product category, right? We know what's in our food, we know where our clothing is from, we know what the ingredients, you know, in the lotions and face creams we use on our bodies. Um, how could this be different? And, you know, when we started poking around and doing research, what we realized was that the big brands don't have to disclose their ingredients because the FDA doesn't require it. Oh, no way. Yeah. And that, that really surprised us and made us angry. Um, and we decided we had to change it. So we decided to build our own brand with totally natural materials and, you know, a brand that really resonates with us more than the big brands on the market today. We don't want pink boxes with flowers on them and ads of women dressed in all white during their period. We want a modern, sophisticated brand that speaks to us the way the other brands we like speak to us and, you know, a a box that looks beautiful in our bathroom. Yeah. Okay. Talk to us about um, how you guys met and when was like the first inception of the idea? So we met in 2014 um, over the summer. We were introduced by friends and, you know, we were kind of like set up on a friend date. Jordana was um, coming out of business school at the time and had been thinking through this idea 
um, for maybe six months and, you know, originally had been thinking, you know, wouldn't it be great to solve the convenience issue in feminine care? Why can I get everything delivered to my door whenever I need it at any time of day, but I can't get my tampons delivered and how could I possibly be so unprepared in this category? And then the idea, um, you know, more developed became also, why don't I know what's in these products? So, so let's solve the product issue and the brand issue and also the delivery issue in one, one company. Um, and around that time we met and we kind of fleshed out the idea together for a few months and did some customer research and you know figured out how could we really get this thing off the ground um, and raise a little bit of um, friends and family capital and um, decided that the market opportunity was really big and we needed to change this for ourselves and for our friends and for all the women we knew. So um, we really went into business together in the fall of 2014. Wow. Okay. When you guys went into business in um, the fall of 2014, when was your first, like, what was the first thing that you did? Did you go and validate the market? Did you go create this new tampon that was 100% cotton versus with previous, all the things that are not disclosed to us? I mean, what was your guys' first step that you took? Um, this, the first step that we took was really like the two of us cared um, the two of us really cared about this idea, but didn't know if it had legs in the market. Um, and so the first big step that we took was to talk to not just our friends and friends of friends, but as many, uh, strange women as, as we could find. Um, and so, and so it was really about, uh, customer discovery, which, you know, is, is really the, um, the foundation upon any, upon which any business idea should be built. Um, you know, if, if nobody cares about your product and you're the only person who does, uh, then, um, then you're Great, not, you're selling one product, <laughs> right? So, right you're, you have one sale. And so, um, so that was really the biggest thing that we needed to, to prove that it wasn't just the two of us who cared about this idea. Mm-hmm. And what we found was actually that, you know, during, uh, we did about 15 focus groups across the U.S. Wow. And, um, and found that, you know, not only had women not really thought about this idea before, um, but that when they when this topic was brought up, um, they were actually pretty shocked and then kind of angry and wanted to do something about it. And so, you know, and keep in mind, too, like this is two and a half years ago. This is, um, you know, before periods kind of started to have a moment in the zeitgeist. Like it, it wasn't something that women really were talking about more openly. And and now obviously there's been a big shift. Um, and so, and so the first five minutes of each focus group would be really awkward, but then you would see like this, this sort of momentum being built throughout the entire focus group of women wanting to share their stories and, you know, laughing when they hear another story that's happened to them. Um, and that's when we really like, not only were, were women, you know, had we validated the idea, but it was clear that, like this is an emotional topic for women. Um, you know, it, it, it just brings out a variety of emotions. Um, you know, both, both like humor and, um, like, uh, feeling kind of appalled that you had no idea what was in this product before. Um, and so we, we really, 
we realized that that was what we wanted to build our business on. Mm. I know it's crazy. I mean, I I don't know what it's been like. I don't know why I've been thinking about this lately, but I like realizing that this, the menstrual cycle to a woman, like every month this happens and like it impacts our emotions and our ability to like make decisions. Like this is a big deal that happens. Um, I feel like I read somewhere that you're not supposed to make big decisions certain times like around your period. But anyway, right. I, I don't know if you guys found that or, or not or anything, but um, I hope we run a business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I gosh, I, there's so many questions and I think I'm, I'm just going to dive in. One thing that came to mind is you guys obviously have direct to consumer. Um, was there a reason or intention behind that versus getting into big customer box retail for obvious reasons, maybe not to, but what was your guys' take on that? Our first inclination was really to have a relationship with our customer. So, you know, what we wanted to do was sell directly to her so we could collect feedback, understand what she thought of the product, the brand, the service, um, and really talk to her. Putting, you know, putting retail between us and our customer um, kind of removes that environment for constant daily learning that we think has really powered our ability to make this everything our customer wants. So for now, we're keeping it direct to consumer and we're just really thrilled with all the feedback and interaction and advice and, you know, all of the learnings that we're getting from that. Yeah. yeah. Um, talk to us about your guys's first when you went up for funding and then you were informed that you got around and what, I mean, walk us through that experience. Yeah. So we, so we've fundraised three times since we started the business. Um, you know, soon after we started working on it together, we raised a friends and family round of $1.2 million. Um, at that point, we we knew we needed, a, you know, a modest pool of capital to uh, invest in product and build a website and hire a small early team and figure out our packaging and branding. And um, we figured that a million dollars would probably take us a year. Um, uh, and, and that was good enough at the time. Um, as we, you know, thought through who we wanted to bring on board, we knew that the, the investors that we would pull together would be a combination of folks who invest in businesses like ours all the time, you know, who look at e-commerce, subscription, consumer products, and then also, um, hopefully a handful of angel investors who would write smaller checks who were, um, relatively strategic, like founders of other similar businesses who could, you know, be advisors along the way. Um, and, and we really wanted it to be diverse. We weren't looking for one person to write a check. We wanted to kind of create our early investor family that would help us and guide us along the way and have a mix of skills. Um, and so it took us a few months. It didn't take that long um, just because, you know, there, there has been momentum for direct-to-consumer subscription e-commerce. Um, and our story was a lot like some other stories that, you know, seed investors had seen. Um, and we ended up putting together a really great group of investors. We had about 15 or 20 investors in that friends and family round. And they've, um, some of them have followed on and, you know, they've kind of all stayed with us over the last few years and been really uh, important to help us think through, you know, problems as we grow and introduce us to new opportunities. What, what has been the, the biggest problem or hurdle that you guys have encountered since you launched Lola? Hmm. There are a lot of challenges. I don't know. Maybe problem isn't the right word, but we've had a lot of, you know, challenges to um, 
I think on the branding side, um, really getting women to equate feminine hygiene with health more broadly, that that's probably our biggest messaging challenge and something that we didn't even realize was an issue. And that's kind of why we started the business in the first place to make sure that we could get that, you know, women's thinking about tampons, pads and liners right in there in that same category, but they're thinking about the food they eat and everything else they put on and in their body. So that's, that's a pretty big challenge. Interesting. So, and that my next question was going to be, um, was there anything that like surprised you about the business or a hypothesis after you did your customer research and discovery or even just overall in business that you're that surprised you along the way that you're like, okay, that was a curveball. Didn't expect that. Frankly, I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think for the most part, we've, we've been pretty spot on when it comes to the hypotheses that we had about the business in the early days and, and how that's manifested itself in the market. Um, but I think to Alex's point, like it really is just, um, it's just like completely um, shifting a frame of mind um, in terms of how women think about these products. Um, but that's what we thought. We thought that would be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it hasn't really been that surprising. It's just been tough. It's it's been what? It's just been tough. Yeah. (laughs) What um like okay so as pers like on an individual personal basis as entrepreneurs, what for each of you? How have you each grown since you got in the business back in 2014? What's like the biggest growth moment, or how have you grown? That's such a good question. Um, we're thinking. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think this is probably the first time for both of us that we're in a position where we're hiring an exceptional team, but like, you know, and and have this really this really incredible mission that we're both really passionate about, and um, and like the you know the the recruiting and the hiring and the talking to potential candidates, like it's very personal because we're, you know, we're building something that, you know, has, it's like our blood, sweat and tears have gone into this for the last, last two and a half years. Um, and, and trying to communicate that to potential hires is something really new for both of us, because even in past jobs, when we've hired, like you never, like you feel connected to the company, but not in the same way. Yeah. And one, I guess one other thing that I, I I know has been growth for me and I'm sure has been growth for Jordana is just being the face of something like, you know, in previous um, companies we've helped build or, you know, and everything else we've done in life. um, We've never really been in this role where we're representing what is being built to a a broader external audience. Um, And, you know, just kind of reflecting on, how, how we comport ourselves in different situations, you know, um, to the investor community, um, to the wellness community, you know, we kind of go from environment to environment representing Lola and ourselves and our team and what we're building. Um, and that has definitely been a whole lot of extroverted learning. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, when you say extroverted learning, 
uh, do you consider yourself an introvert then maybe, or we're both, um, we're both, you know, like somewhere, I think balanced on the spectrum, but more towards introverted and really getting out there, um, and speaking on behalf of the brand and articulating our vision and what we're building is really important, both, both internally for team building, but also to make sure that we're, you know, we're able to attract the partners and opportunities that we need to be successful. It, um, a lot of it comes down to our ability to communicate. Um, and that, you know, obviously we, we've communicated before, but th- this particular situation is new and has definitely been a learning curve. Mm-hmm. So when you guys, um, since when you guys launched it to now, how have your challenges changed would you say, you know, like what were some of the things that would keep you up at night, maybe in the beginning and that maybe don't so much anymore because you've been doing this for over two years and that's just entrepreneurship. You get not necessarily used to it, but like you just understand how to navigate it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, at first it was just the two of us doing everything and some of the things that we were doing, we had done before and some of them we hadn't. And I think the all the early initial stress was are we doing this right um for the things we've never done before like how can we get comfortable around the fact that we're doing them right um and you know uh kind of looking down the the path at how a few months of runway we had at that time you know um there's a lot of pressure when you decide to raise capital um to create something to really hit a milestone to be able to fund the business more so it was like you know at the very early stages it was about execution and you know figuring out all the different roles executing on them and making sure we had enough cash um at this point you know we're still very in the weeds of executing but also for a lot of the roles we've hired um folks in and you know, now we're kind of transitioning from full-time execution to maybe half execution, half managing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are, you know, different challenges, making sure that we're building out the organization in the right way um, and really like having our eye toward the future rather than all day in the details. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say? So, um, given your guys's previous work experience, I know, um, Alex, you worked at Boston consulting group and then, um, Jor- Jordana, you worked at rent the runway. And so what specifically from your more so like, I, I'm just going to call it corporate environment when you weren't entrepreneurs, what specifically could you take from those experiences and apply them to what you're doing today? Um, from consulting, it's a lot of kind of research and applying frameworks to problems um, and collaboration, like taking a big problem, figuring out how to break it down to the components that you need to answer the problem, and all working as a team to get to an answer. So a lot of that applies here. The, the big difference is that that was always advisory, and now we own the outcome, and that um, is the most exciting thing ever, but also terrifying sometimes. Like, I don't know, sometimes wish I could advise. (laughs) You're like, oh, so if that doesn't work, we, well, based on my assumptions, it should have. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) See you later. I would say from from my experience, it's really, um, like, I learned uh, that a problem is never really solved. (laughs) Well, and, and what I mean by that is like, there's always an opportunity to dig deeper. Like when you think you've come to the 
kind of core of an issue. Like there's, there's another way to cut the data. There's another way to build, um, a, a business model. Like you're never really done solving for something. Um, and having that, um, level of, um, and it's like, it's like literally basically the opposite of what Alex was just talking about, which is like when, you know, when you are in an advisory position, you can kind of pass along a, um, you know, a, a, a recommendation and then move on. And I think, um, in, in, in a place where data and consumers are constantly changing, um, that just means that your output might be constantly changing. Mm. What, and like, so for you guys then too, what's been the biggest pivot, if you will, that you've had to make since you guys started Lola, if, if you even had to make a big pivot or of any sort? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I don't think we've made like really any drastic pivots. Um, we launched a new version of our website, (laughs) um, and, and wanted to, you know, put up a V1, um, thought, you know, thought it was a great first step into the market and, you know, realized that there was more personality that we wanted to infuse in, um, in our, in our website and how we're messaging our products to customers. So I don't think, and, and another example is like, we, we launched the business with just one product. You can get one or two boxes. Like we've now increased to a multi-product offering of pads and liners and non-applicator tampons. Um, you can buy up to three boxes. Like it, it, it doesn't actually, when I say it, doesn't actually seem all that, um, drastic, but the thought behind each of those new products or even the decision to add a three box option on our website, like isn't a light decision. It takes a lot of time and collaboration, um, you know, understanding what the trade-offs are for pursuing, you know, that strategy versus going in another direction. Yeah. Um, oh, no, pivots, I'd say small, small little tweaks or shifts to, um, to the business, but it only in an additive way. Mm-hmm. What, and I was going to say too, I like on the website, I, it's amazing that you like as a consumer being on there that you, I, I can shift and say, okay, I want X amount of light tampons. I want X amount of regulars. Like, and it's such a cool interface that you can just swivel and decide that. And I'm like, this is pretty much amazing. Like how cool is that? Um, yeah, it's, it's, Awesome. And then what, um, like, what is one thing that you guys made a decision on in your business that gave you produced the biggest impact, whether it's like in revenue or customer acquisition, or, I mean, if it was just one thing that you did that you're like, Oh, okay. Wow. Um, I don't know. It's probably just every time we add someone to the team that has a big impact. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that we're doing where, you know, because it's a low price point product, um, we don't really have like enormous swings that have a huge effect on our revenue. We're building as we go and it's mostly repeat revenue based. And over time, as we attract more customers, the business grows, but like, it's not like one customer comes in and spends like a lifetime supply of tampons. Like it it just isn't how we're built. Um, 
So really like the, the highest impact things that we feel on our team are adding a person to take over a role that one or a few of us have been juggling and having somebody really own it and build it um, and, and having it, you know, regardless of whether it's a support function or a growth function, um, every new set of hands is high impact to us at this stage. Yeah. What, um, how do you guys find like, for your customers, do you find that they come through referral or what type of marketing is the most effective for you guys? Um, so it's really everything across the board. It's press, word of mouth, um, you know, social media. We, you know, we're pretty actively um, talking to customers on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, we've, we've worked with some influencers, which has been really great to reach new audiences. We're, we're really out there, but uh, you know, a lot of it is organic and trying to really just drive the conversation around ingredients transparency. Um, and we've found that in the last few years, um, people are more and more open to having this conversation. The you know the conversation around periods has become less taboo. Um, with more people kind of oversharing on social media, this topic has really just kind of blended in, um, <clears throat> which is exciting to us. So you know we our customers are helping us spread the word, and we love that. Yeah, what um, for you guys like? Where did you go to find the manufacturing for the tampons? Or how did you know what to do for in, in that for that direction of it? Yeah. So, I mean, what we wanted to do was to sell the best 100% organic cotton tampon that we could find globally. Um, and so, you know, we did, we did the research that you would expect. We talked to tons of suppliers and manufacturers. We did a lot of research online. We looked through all, you know, all the databases of folks who were manufacturing this type of product globally. Um, and before we launched, we found the right partner who we're partnering with today on tampons based in Europe. Um, and, you know, as we grow, we're continuing to, you know, work with other suppliers at this point, all of our suppliers are in Europe. Um, and there are very, you know, tight regulations in Europe around cotton sourcing, um, growing and how the products are made. And so, you know, we're, we're really excited that we found these partners early, um, and they're able to grow with us. Yeah. So then it just, uh, over in Europe, there are regulations around, Expo like explaining what's in their tampons is better than what's in the U like are the regulations in the US? Yeah, regulations across the board on, you know, product cotton products, but also cosmetics and a lot of the products that we put on and in our bodies are are tighter in Europe than in the US. And so it you know, it made us really comfortable to to start conservative. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I have a few like last questions before we wind down. Um one of them is what is the biggest piece of advice that you'd each give someone who's thinking of starting a business or who is in entrepreneurship as is? Um, I guess develop your network. We, you know, we have a lot of questions all the time and, um, having people to ask those questions to who know the answers meet, you know, uh, is very valuable to us constantly. So, um, don't, don't go in a hole when you start your business and just shut out the world and then emerge, you know, a year later and not still have 
a group of people around you. Make sure that you're always investing in the community around you, both so you can contribute to it, but also because you'll have so many questions and every new company stage feels different. And having a broad set of advisors and friends has been really critical to us. And, yeah, and I would add, um, like, get the tough love. Um, I think the most valuable um, part of, of building the business in the beginning was getting really honest feedback. Like it's really easy to go to people who um, are going to just say, that sounds great. You know, that I, I love the idea. I would totally buy it. That's not helpful. I mean, it's, it's, it's encouraging, but it's not helpful. Like it's not, um, it's not going to make you quite, you know, think deeply about, um, the, any sort of holes in the business. And I think Alex, the fact that we were adamant about getting holes poked in our business idea in the beginning, um, and seeking that out really helped us, um, protect ourselves, um, and build the business in the most sort of bulletproof way. Mm. That's really good feedback. What for each of you, um, what book have you guys read that you would recommend to the audience? Hmm. My favorite book is a hundred years of solitude. Oh. Um, I don't know if you were looking for like a business book. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be. I've I actually, I did an interview yesterday and someone said Harry Potter. So okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hundred years of solitude has been my favorite book since I read it like 15 years ago. Um, what is it about? I, so it's a, it's, a multi-generational story of a family in Colombia, and it's a mix of like reality and ordinary versus something um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez always uses called magical realism, which is infusing like extraordinary stuff into the ordinary, um, which which makes it feel kind of real in that like you know you're kind of always going through ups and downs, and there's like comedy and tragedy. It's it's kind of a book that captures every generation and every feeling you could feel in your life. I, I just love it. Awesome. Um, I would say in terms of fiction, um, All the Light We Cannot See um, was a book I really enjoyed. It's, uh, it takes place in, in and around World War II, mm. um, but it's it's just written extremely beautifully. Like there's a, I mean, it's depressing, but like uh, as most World War II books are, um, but written extremely beautifully. And, um, and there's just, it's, it's taken from a few different perspectives. Um, one of which is this young blind French girl. Um, and so, you know, he, hearing kind of the experience of like being evacuated from Paris, um, but only having, like the other four senses for her to, to sort of talk about. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's really, it's really beautiful. Um, and then like another book that I would say from a management perspective, um, that Alex and I both, um, I know really loved was, uh, the hard thing about hard things, which is written by Ben Horowitz of Andreessen Horowitz. Um, it's just like a really honest take on, being a CEO in times of peace and in times of war. Um, and just like the really honest conversations that you have to have with yourself, um, as well as with teams. 
Um, but, but very like not sugarcoated at all. And I think, um, you know, and, and talks a lot about the, the, the real trials that, that he went through. Um, and, and I think when you can, like, that's really where you can learn the most, um, not from when people did things well, but you know, what failed and why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had a couple other guests recommend that book too. So it definitely is, um, I'll have to, I've never actually read it, but I'll definitely check that out. Um, I have a few rapid fire questions for you guys. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. What, if you were given a hundred dollars each, um, right now to go do, to invest back in your business, what would you spend it on? Oh, I was going to say we would both get a massage. Oh. <laughs> well, that is investing in your business though. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. 10 minute massages for the team. Yes. <laughs> There you go. You have to be relaxed. Um, and the next question is, what is the thing that you um, would each outsource immediately if you could wave a magic wand? Oh, my God. Um, office management. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Snacks and, Wi-Fi. <laughs> wait, what, what was that? Snacks and Wi-Fi. <laughs> done. Done, done, done. Um, and then the last one is, is if your life had a movie title, what would it be? And it doesn't have to be unibrows, like one that's... Yeah, one of, unibrows go global. Wait, unibrows go global? <laughs> yeah. Okay, what is the story behind that? Unibrows and tampons. Unibrows and tampons. Story of domination. and Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for um, your time and energy. I know that you guys have an extremely, extremely busy schedule and doing what you're doing. So I appreciate you guys coming on the show today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This was great. Yeah. And wish you guys success in your business. And I can't wait to, I'm excited to watch you guys grow. Thank you. Yeah. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the She Did It Her Way podcast. Did you like this episode? Head on over to iTunes.com to leave us a rating and a review. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out SheDidItHerWayPodcast.com where you can subscribe to our email list so you can receive the inside scoop on our latest episode released each Monday. Now, do us a favor and go make it a great week.